When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Women. You can't live with them, and you can't live without them. Unless they're a seductive demoness who literally wants to drain the life out of you, because in that case I think you can be excused for wanting to stay away. For those thinking this sounds awfully familiar, no we are not talking about your ex-wife nor your ex-girlfriend. Today's video is on the succubus, or the succubi, if you want to refer to them collectively. When we think of a succubus, there are several things that come to mind. The more traditional among you would think of a demon that seduces men. Nowadays, we just think of them as attractive women, and someone who has merely searched succubus into Google Images will probably think it's some kind of weird fetish. And it probably is. Some of you may even remember that train wreck of a movie that was Jennifer's Body, where Megan Fox and Amanda Seyfried make out, and then Megan Fox is like, Oh, I'm gonna eat that boy you like. And Amanda Seyfried was like, No, screw you and your weirdly shaped toe thumbs. No succubus gonna eat my man. And that's pretty much the whole story. So I guess we begin with the definition and the origin. A succubus is a demon that takes the form of a woman. The succubus can be traced back to medieval folklore. In these stories, once a demon has assumed its female form, it then comes to its victim in their dream and the seduction process begins, which is then followed by some kind of sexual activity. Which raises the question, what does the succubus gain from this? I mean, sleeping with men in their dreams doesn't seem to have much of an upside, but as you may expect, there is an ulterior motive behind this. There are more than a few theories as to why. One that you might be familiar with is the idea of the succubus feeding off the man, either physically devouring his flesh or taking parts of his soul. Numerous encounters with a succubus are said to leave the victim with severe mental deterioration, causing hallucinations and in the worst case, death. Some even believe that the succubus was used as a way to explain sleep paralysis. The word succubus derives from several different Latin terms, one of these being succuba, which roughly translates to mean lies beneath or lies beneath the bed. This also relates to the succubus's position in relation to the victim. There are several accounts of the succubus in Jewish folklore, the most famous example being Adam's first wife Lilith, who refused to be subservient and left the Garden of Eden, before becoming one of the four demon queens that slept with the archangel Samael. The descriptions given are that of a beautiful woman, but up close you can notice deformities, such as serpentine-like tails and bird-like talon, which sound quite similar to the sirens of Greek myth. And in the later years, the stories of the succubi were replaced with stories of sirens. They do also bear a resemblance to another creature from Greek mythology, Lamia, and in turn the Lamiae and Empusa which were also rather repulsive creatures that could alter their form in order to seduce men. 
some choosing to feed off the men they seduce, and others convincing young men to marry them, only to leave them the night before the wedding. Lamia herself was one of Zeus's scorned lovers, that became a monster who devoured men and children as revenge for the very own children that she had lost. The word Lilith was thought to derive from a group of female demons in Mesopotamian mythology, named Lilithu, who themselves are named after the demon Lamastu, who would kidnap children while their mothers breastfed, chewing on their bones and drinking their blood. She was also described as having a rather disturbing appearance, so this idea of succubi as grotesque demons who steal children is one that spans across more than just one culture. Throughout religion, the succubus is almost always portrayed as a negative and evil figure. You would then expect most holy and religious men to do whatever they could to limit the power of the succubus, but there are a few holy men who claim not every succubus is evil. The best example we have is probably Pope Sylvester II, and yes, I can appreciate the irony in a pope defending a sex demon. Before Pope Sylvester died, he confessed everything, where he revealed that a succubus had helped him climb through the ranks of the Catholic Church. He said that as a young man, he came across a woman named Mary Diana, who promised him everything he could ever dream of. Wealth, good fortune, status, and knowledge beyond anything any mortal could teach him. There was only one condition, that he remained faithful to only her and so he accepted. He would eventually become Pope, and despite the vows that he took, his relationship with this woman continued in secret. There are some differing accounts to this story. Some believe he was so hungry for power and money that he summoned a demon that then took the form of a succubus, and that is why he confessed on his deathbed. Whereas others believed he simply fell in love and refused to value his vows over the woman he loved which is why when he eventually confessed, he painted her in such a positive light. Whether this is a story about a horny pope who found love, or a horny pope who found a succubus, I guess we'll never know, but it's safe to say that he was probably a shit pope. The Catholic Church, or those associated with it, did have some quite interesting ideas in regards to the succubi. In 1487, a man by the name of Heinrich Kramer published Malleus Maleficarum, better known as the Hammer of Witches. The work itself detailed literature surrounding demonology in the 15th century, and essentially it called for the extermination of witches. Witchcraft was of course forbidden by the church, and Kramer himself was once a clergyman, though he was later discredited, as most of what he wrote was inconsistent with the already existing Catholic doctrines surrounding demonology. The book was then condemned by the church for this exact reason, as well as by several German universities because much of what he described was either illegal or unethical. Despite the efforts of the religious and educational institutions, the book stirred up an immense amount of interest, only being outsold by the Bible itself for the next 200 years or so. Now as fascinating as this is, I only mention the book because Kramer does indeed discuss the succubus. According to Kramer, a succubus would collect the semen of the men she slept with and then give it to an incubus, who would use it to impregnate a human woman. 
This is how he explains demons could sire children, despite them being incapable of traditional reproduction. He then goes on to say that children born this way were far more susceptible to demonic influence and possession. Whether or not you believe any of this, I guess is down to you. But the whole concept of a demon woman stealing semen and then giving it to a demon man to impregnate a human woman is pretty insane. And even if we ignore the scientific limitations of Kramer's thinking, what do the incubi then do? Do they turn the semen into demon semen? On second thought, I don't really want to know. The work of Heinrich Kramer did create some additional hysteria during the many witch trials that took place. As women who attempted to seduce men were accused of being a succubus in disguise, and women who fell pregnant outside of wedlock were said to be harbouring the child of an incubus. Sounds like a fantastically civilised time to exist. The way we look at the succubus now has obviously changed. To some, the word may still conjure up images of a demon, but even then I'd hazard a guess that the demon isn't repulsive. Probably something that looks like it belongs in some sort of sex dungeon full of whips, chains, ball gags, and a host of items you wish you could unsee. Anyway, the moral of the story is, no matter how weird you think people are, there are always those weirder. Much, much weirder. The image we have today of a succubus is mostly that of an extremely beautiful woman. Perfect skin, great hair, and eyes you would literally sell your soul for. This is a stark contrast from the scaly, deformed succubi of old, with their horns and bat-like wings, which are more akin to a demon than a seductive enchantress. Though, if they can transform themselves from a demon to a woman, then it's not too unreasonable to believe they can change how human they look. Now, I'm sure it won't come as a surprise that we see the succubus quite often in modern fantasy. Stephen King mentions them several times in the Dark Tower series, where a succubus named Mia helps an incubus impregnate a woman whose child would then become a villain rather similar to what Kramer said about how demons reproduce, as well as the idea that the child of an incubus is more likely to be swayed by evil. Stephen King also describes them as sexual vampires, and this connection between the succubi and vampires does make sense, and the lines between them can be blurred because of the predatory way they behave. When we think of vampires, both male and female, much like the succubi, they will often seduce their victim before they feed, almost as if the chase or the thrill of the hunt is what they really take pleasure in. Now, of course, not all vampires behave in this way, the Strigoi being a good example of vampires who don't really care for the whole seduction process. This idea of female vampires being succubi does also exist in the Twilight series, but for your sake and as well as mine, we're going to pretend it doesn't exist and it never has done. Ever. We also have The Dresden Files by Jim Butcher, which does mention succubi and incubi, with the protagonist's half-brother being an incubus described as having vampire-like qualities. Most people who played World of Warcraft would have either had or seen a warlock running around with a succubus as a pet, which is basically just a half-naked demoness with hooves, wings, and a whip, which once again takes us back to the age-old saying, he who takes the succubus as a pet is a weirdo. 
It's interesting to see the history behind the succubus and how these ideas have changed over time. What started off as pretty much disgusting demons that steal children became more and more visually appealing and seductive. But if we take the religious influence into consideration, it's not really that much of a surprise, as corruption and temptation are recurring themes throughout most religion. What I find more surprising is that plenty of authors and stories actually do remain quite loyal to the origin, but of course there will also be modern interpretations which are just awful. For anyone who wants a good laugh, I suggest watching the succubus interaction in Devil May Cry. It's definitely the funniest I've seen. If you do have any thoughts and ideas, or perhaps you know of some interesting stories that feature succubi, then feel free to share those with me in the comments below. As always, I've been your host, Mythology and Fiction Explained, reminding you to always say no to a succubus. Unless your dream is to be Pope, because in that case, knock yourself out.